If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now, go. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic splash, unsuspecting friends, a work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Radio Astronomy, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Hello and welcome to the August episode of the Radio Astronomy podcast. I'm Ian Todd, the magazine's staff writer, and I'm joined today by editor Chris Bramley. Hello. Uh, Later in the podcast, we're going to be telling you how to make the most of August's Perseid meteor shower. But first, we're going to be taking a special look at the biggest planet in the solar system, um, because August is quite a month for Jupiter fans, as it sees the official extension of NASA's Juno mission at the gas giant. Uh, The spacecraft's been orbiting Jupiter from pole to pole since July 2016, and it was due to intentionally crash into the planet's atmosphere this month, but the mission has been extended until September 2025. Uh, But before we get on to the Juno mission and what it has achieved so far, uh, for those of us who aren't planetary scientists and prefer to observe Jupiter from terra firma, uh, there's another reason to get excited about the gas giant this month, as the planet is reaching opposition in the night sky. That's right, Ian. Yes, um, Jupiter is going to be nice and bright in August. So it's going to be opposite the sun, in the opposite part of of the sky to the sun. So we on Earth are seeing it fully bathed in sunlight, So it'll be at its brightest and also um, at its highest in the sky for this particular apparition when it's visible. So um, it's a great time to go and see it, uh, go outside and have a look at it. It's going to be in the southern part of the sky and visible all night um, throughout August. But the actual date of opposition, which is um, Thursday the 19th 
of August is the um, is the time when it will be brightest. It'll be slightly dimmer before and after that time in August, but it'll be shining at um, at magnitude minus two point nine, which is which is pretty pretty bright. Just to give you an idea, um, Venus, one of the brightest things in the sky, it will be shining at magnitude minus four. So it's it's almost there. So nice and bright. One thing though, it will be quite low. To the to the horizon, it's going to be about twenty degrees above the um, southern horizon, which is um, if you use your your kind of hand to to judge how high up that's going to be, it's about roughly the distance between your thumb and little finger with your hand held out at arm's length. Um, cool. So, I mean, what will you see um, on Jupiter around opposition? Well, with a naked eye, it will look. Kind of like a star. Um, if you if you have particularly sharp vision, you might tell that it looks slightly more, slightly sorry, slightly less point like, less star like than um, the other the other kind of dots up there. With binoculars, <laughs> um, uh, ten by fifty binoculars um, on particularly clear nights, you may catch Jupiter's four largest moons, its Galilean moons, um, arrayed in a in a line either side of it. Uh, that's Io, Europa, Ganymede, and Callisto. Now you'll certainly see those with with a small telescope. It does look very impressive, um, and uh, at they as they orbit um, the giant planet, they change they change their positions. And then with telescopes, um, sorry, back to binoculars. Let's finish on that. Binoculars, um, you'll definitely you won't see any detail on the actual disc of the planet, but you will actually you'll definitely see with binoculars that it's it's a disc and not a point of light. And then with telescopes, you'll get to start to get to see some detail on it. These are the the, the belts and and zones, um, the lighter and darker markings, which which go uh, horizontally across the disc of the planet, and with progressively larger and larger telescopes you you reveal more detail within those belts and zones things like the great red spot um, which is a giant um, storm um, on jupiter and other smaller details like exotically named items like barges and plage um, which are little <laughs> little things at the at the at the edges of the belts and zones where the two where the, the belts and zones are basically different um wind zones where the winds are, are going opposite in opposite directions to each other and that's where they where they meet cloud matter and another and the other material in the atmosphere gets broken off one's uh, one belt or one zone and into another one so yes yeah, particularly interesting planet to observe a uh, beautiful planet to observe it's it, it's it's changing all the time and <clears throat> if you've got a telescope and you're looking at it give it some time um, with your eyes with your eyes um, get a, get used to the site when you first see it you probably won't see that much detail on it but um, as you as you look at it and concentrate on on studying what what your eyes are showing you you'll slowly you'll be be able to um, make out more detail on there um, so it's a fascinating world to um, observe, and the other thing is, just while we're here, um, Jupiter is not the only planet um, at opposition this month. Um, Saturn is also at opposition. Now um, it comes to it, it's at its brightest earlier than Jupiter. Its opposition date is right at the beginning of the month, on the second Monday, the second of August. Um, but similar to Jupiter, it'll be visible um, all the way through, all the way through August. Slightly less bright than the magnitude. 
0.4 that it'll be is the maximum brightness it'll be reaching um, at opposition. And of course, Saturn is very famous for its beautiful rings, which really are breathtaking to see in a small, even in a small telescope, you'll see them. Uh, you might not see them detached from the disk of the planet, but uh, you'll definitely make out uh, an oval shape to the to the to the site you're seeing in the eyepiece with a small telescope. Some even say that it looks like uh, the planet has ears on either side of it, or um, the handles of a mug, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be in a similar place in the sky, in the southerly sky, um, and also quite low down, so about the same um, height above the horizon and about 20 degrees up. So yeah, do go and check those those two planets out. They're wonderful things to observe um, with a telescope. I still get I still get a real rush when I when I when I see Saturn's rings. You know, it's it's just a marvelous sight, and I love looking at um, the Galilean moons and seeing that that one system. I always think back to um, Galileo and what he must have thought when he when he saw them um, for the first time. What went through his mind um, back in the back in the 16th century. That's right, yeah. I, I mean, I, I was reading recently, I was re- reminded of, um, I think when, when Galileo first saw Saturn's rings, as you say, they sort of looked like the handles of a mug. I think he didn't, he thought, think first yes. thing that they were maybe moons. Yes, that's right. Yeah, really close in, really close yeah. in. And then I think as he gradually finessed his telescope more and more, he was able to actually make out that, you know, that these things, what, what these things were and, and actually did. So he, in his, in his, uh, in his eyepiece, view they they actually he was actually able to see some gaps in between the planets and the and and the and the rings itself but of course it was it was other famous famously um other um astronomers like um cassini and huygens who observed saturn did with with much more powerful and, and telescopes with better resolution um and that's why for instance the um the gap, the, oh, the division, the Cassini division is named after the Italian astronomer Giovanni Cassini. I think <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And of course, the uh, Cassini Huygens mission that, um, you know, uh, explored Saturn and its son, its moon Titan. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 been, it's been interesting, sort of looking at the um, sky guide and in, in the in the magazine, our, our monthly sky guide, which mm. is written by um, Pete Lawrence. And um, over mm. the past few months, he's been sort of talking more and more about Jupiter, and you know, it's been getting better and better. And you know, this month is finally reaching opposition. And one of the other things that Pete's been talking about is these um, events, you know, uh, involving Jupiter's um, four largest moons, which are called the Galilean moons, because Galileo was the one who discovered them 
And um, yes, yeah, it's really interesting. You can actually you can actually see sort of them if you a little powerful mm. on a telescope. You can see them. You can see like their shadows on on Jupiter, like the moon, the shadows of the moons passing across Jupiter, can't you? Yeah, that's right. That that I I must admit I've never I've I've not seen that. Um, I, my telescope isn't quite powerful enough to deliver <laughs> that view, but um, it does look like a. It, that would be quite a breathtaking thing, I think, to see a another another body moving across moving across um, the the disk of of uh, Jupiter, and uh, as well as the shadows, you can actually this this month, um, which is something of a rarity, you'll see the shadows and the moons themselves um, on the disk together. Um, and not just that, um, uh, there's a very a very rare um, event happening this month, which is two, shad- two, two of the moons and their, and their shadows will be on the disk, visible on the disk at the same time, which really is, um, you know, is a rarity. That's um, awesome. Yeah, that's really good. That's going to be really good. Um, I think there's happening on the um, uh, on the twenty second um, with Europa and Ganymede, and again on the 29th um, with Europa and Ganymede as well. Um, yeah, yeah, very exciting. Um, yeah, so if, you're, if you if you are in possession of a large telescope, um, <laughs> want to check out. Yeah, and th- there are numerous um, sort of. Events of, of, of where the you can see the moons in the shadows, and um, I was because I was mm. sort of um, taking a look at them today. And um, of course, if you, if you want to know more, they're they're all in the sort of the the August twenty twenty one issue of BBC Sky Night magazine uh, in the Sky Guide. There's, mm-hmm. Pete's, Pete's very good at giving us the the dates and the times, you know, the best the best times to to see these these events. And there there are numerous sort of Galilean moon events that are worth um, looking at this month. But uh, if if planetary science is more your thing and you're not really a, a visual observer, um, you may be excited and you probably have heard the news that uh, NASA's Juno mission at Jupiter has been extended for another four years, um, which is um, pretty exciting for for Juno or for for Jupiter fans. Um, so it's it's definitely a, a good time to be studying Jupiter and, and seeing if you can observe it, observe it in the night sky, sort of in the context of what the Juno mission has discovered because loads of those features that you've you've spoken about uh chris you know the the, the mm-hmm. moons and, and the and, and the zones and the belts yeah they, they've all been studied you know up close and, and intensely by juno over the past uh, was that five years yeah so so juno arrived at jupiter um in july 2016 and since then it's been orbiting the planet um from pool to pool so going over the north and south pool and it does these amazing orbits where they're like sort of hi- highly highly elliptical they're called so it goes right out really far away loops really far away from the planet then comes back in uh, and mm. zooms really close in just doing a sort of soaring flyby just over the surface of jupiter um which enables it to get um a really um close-up look uh, at the atmosphere mm-hmm. and sort of get a better look at what's going on now the, the original mission end date was had been decided um it was supposed to end this month august 2021 and it was going to intentionally crash into jupiter um, but the mission has been extended to September 2025. Um, the original mission end date was because of sort of expected wear and tear um, on Juno, um, which would have been caused by uh, radiation, just being constantly bombarded by radiation. They thought, you know, Juno might only last this long, so that's the end of the primary mission, but it's been extended, as mm. I said, until September 2025. Um, and over the next four years, it's going to be making 42 more orbits of Jupiter on top of the, the 34 already carried out. Um, 
And it's also going to be uh, flying by Jupiter's Galilean moons, which we were talking about just there now. Um, this is to, to get a, to get a really good close at them, uh, to get a really good um, look at them, and to examine the moons, but also to get gravity assists, so we can use the gravity of these moons to sort of swing by and help it on its way, and that will help it um, conserve uh, fuel, so it so it can complete this mission extension. Um, but when you look back at the the uh, Juno mission so far, it's 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 obviously the the science has been amazing, but I think I think the most immediate thing that people notice is is the incredible images, isn't that right? Because Mm. We, we're also used to seeing, you know, st- stripy Jupiter with its great red spot. Um, but Juno, because Juno is flying over the poles, we've got these sort of images of Jupiter that don't really look like Jupiter, do they? There's these sort of the swirling clouds of the of the north and south pole. That's right. They're they're almost like um, paintings, aren't they? They're very painterly. They're, it's like a Dali painting or or a Monet painting with, <laughs> yeah. the, with the kind of the delicate hues. And 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 when you see Jupiter close up, it, it's its belts and zones are much less apparent, and and you and and the things like the swirls and the individual um, cyclone storms, storms like the cyclones and anticyclones, are much become much more noticeable, um, which is really incredible. And yes, it was it was a great um, uh, a, a great foresight of, of NASA to include the Juno cam and to and to really um, you know put that over to uh, to to citizen scientists to decide um, what what it should be imaging, and it's really uh, really exciting. And that that de- isn't that um, the JunoCam data is available is is freely available on on the uh, Juno website, isn't it? For people to download and and play around with in their processing software. Yeah, exactly. There's like a there's a the uh, JunoCam website. You can download the the raw data and then um, mm. you can process it yourself. And lots of people possess these amazing images of the great red spot, but then people have fun with it and they do things like, <clears> um, you know, Jupiter as though it was painted by Van Gogh and stuff like that, you know, mm. or just like sort of cartoon versions of the planet, just but using the actual raw data captured from uh, from um, Juno's, Juno's, Juno's Juno, uh, Juno cam. Yes, yes. Yeah, highly irregular colours on, on yeah. some of them, aren't they? <laughs> like, sort of like psychedelic versions of Jupiter, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, as you say, I mean... Juno has discovered so much so far. So it's discovered that um, its poles, as, as we've seen in the images, are swarmed by these storms. Um, and mm. in particular, the North Pole is really interesting because it has this single central storm that's surrounded by eight smaller ones. And these small ones, these smaller storms, range in size from sort of 4,000 to 7,000 kilometers. Um, mm. And it's getting even more information about these swirling storms in the North Pole. It's discovered more about the, um, sort of the water content in Jupiter that. Um, and it's taking a look at these sort of stripes of, of wind and cloud, as we said, known as the belts mm-hmm. and zones. These these penetrate three thousand kilometers beneath the surface, and they become shallower towards the poles. And um, mm. perhaps the thing that we've that's been most amazing has been the views of the Great Red Spot, um, mm. which yeah, as you said, is this sort of um, storm that's been raging for centuries on Jupiter. Um, yeah, it, it reaches three hundred and twenty kilometers into Jupiter's atmosphere, which is thirty times deeper than. Yeah the deepest point of Earth's oceans. Incredible, And it? it's also discovered that the electrical field around Jupiter's poles produces um, aurorae, and that these aurorae are mm. 100 times more charged than Earth's. Um, mm. So it's given us a wealth of information so far, but what's been really interesting is learning what um, is left to discover and what the um, planetary scientists are going to 
be potentially discovering uh, as a result of this mission extension. So um, it's mm. going to be using its microwave radiometer to see uh, 400 kilometers down through the clouds, to see the roots of the storms, get a closer look at the ammonia and water that's present in the atmosphere. It's also going to be creating mm-hmm. this uh, gravitational map of Jupiter's storms. Um, and through that, um, they'll be able to see where the gravity is stronger and therefore where the parts of the planet are denser than others. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be looking at the lightning in the clouds. Jupiter has um, these lightning storms in its clouds. And the fact that there's lightning suggests that there should be liquid there. But any water that would be, would be present should be frozen. So something's potentially melting the um, liquid. And it could be, you know, like ammonia, melting mm. water ice, like like antifreeze. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there was another um, interesting thing that um, came out when they were talking about the mission extension. One of the mysteries is that Jupiter's aurora is caused, so so the aurora is caused by um, Jupiter's magnetic field, which accelerates these particles and crashes them into the atmosphere. But the number of particles observed don't correlate with the level of aurora being produced. So there's something missing there. Mm. So there's a sort of missing part of the puzzle. That's strange, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and as we said, they're going to be, uh, it's going to be flying by uh, its uh, four largest moons, the Galilean moons. Um, I know so far this year, we've already seen um, Ganymede, which was, it flew by on the 7th of June this year and produced this amazing sort of crystal clear image of of the moon's created surface. Uh, on the 29th mm. of September, 2022, it's doing a flyby of Europa. Uh, and that's particularly interesting because Europa is one of the icy moons in the solar system with a subsurface ocean. So it's going to be looking for, um, p- you know, potential signs of water vapor um, es- escaping <laughs> from below uh, into space, which makes you think of the um, Cassini mission at Enceladus, you know, observing those um, plumes of water erupting from the subsurface ocean on yes, the, uh, yes. Enceladus, um, Saturn's moon. And it's also going to be looking down, down into the ice, isn't it, on Europa? Um with its um, uh, microwave radiometer, it's able to see underneath, you know, 10 kilometers into the surface, which is going to be quite exciting as well. So investigate any cracks or crevices in the in, in the ice there. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I suppose the, the real interesting thing about these moons like Enceladus in Europe is, is that sort of salty, briny subsurface liquid ocean? Because as, you know, planetary scientists keep sort of pointing out, on Earth, we know that you know life. You find you generally find life where there's water. So mm. places where there's liquid water is a good place in the solar system to look for at least potential signs of conditions that could support life, and maybe even something like microbial life. You know, signs signs of microbial life existing elsewhere in the solar system, which would be pretty cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then on the thirtieth of December, twenty twenty three, um, it's going to be flying by Io. Um, which is the most volcanic body in the solar system. Um, mm. Yeah, Io has uh, active volcanoes, which were discovered uh, by Linda Morabito during the, um, the Voyager mission. Um, so it's going to be analysing the sort of whether or not the surface magma and taking a closer look at that moon. Imagine, imagine that if they found a, a, that Io was covered in a magma ocean, <laughs> that would be that would be awesome and terrifying in, in equal parts, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be really cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. When you think about all these possibilities and the fact that a lot of this is going to be happening as a result of the mission extension, it sort of makes you think that we mm. potentially would have missed out on a lot, you know, had there not been a mission mm. extension. Mm. Yeah. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing how um, uh, how durable um, Juno has been. Um, you know, they, they really, um, uh, you know, engineered it um, with that in mind, didn't they? 
And I think also, didn't it, um, didn't it, uh, there was some mission failure. There was a bit of a, something, there was a couple of mistakes early on in the mission where, where, um, so it didn't actually go into its, it was due to go into a much closer orbit. Uh, you know, all its orbits were due to be much closer in. Um, and it was supposed to do much more, many more, um, that, you know, there would be, there would be shorter, um, in total distance. So there would be more of them. Um, so because it's been stuck in its kind of, um, cap, you know, in a longer orbit, um, it's been able, it's, it's been able to escape the really harsh radiation, um, of Jupiter. Um, and so last a bit, last a bit longer. Yeah, exactly. Sort of a nice sort of, um, my sort of bit of um sort of fortune there isn't it that that's sort of happened yeah. you know what what initially yeah, seemed like right. a sort of uh, mission failure or you know a sort of blip has has ended up enabling the mission to be extended it's quite that's true. right yeah and and then also to 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 then take in a, a close flyby of, of three of its um three of its galilean moons which you know are are um just as interesting worlds as as um as Jupiter, as Jupiter is really, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and there's all these sort of, um, you know, up, upcoming missions like uh, the European European Space Agency's uh, Juice mission, which is uh, the Jupiter Icy Moons Explorer, and that's going to be looking at Ganymede, Callisto, and Europa. And then there's NASA's Europa Clipper, which is going to be looking at Europa, and they're all sort of set set to launch in the next few years. So information gained by Juno about the Galilean moons can can inform those missions and and tell planetary scientists what they want to take a closer look at. Exciting times. Yeah, definitely. But there is also a, a Chinese National Space Administration um, probe that I was reading about called the, the Gander probe. Uh, and its launch is expected um, by 2029. And it's going to potentially be arriving at Jupiter in 2035. But um, not really sure exactly what it's going to be do- doing there. Um, but that's that's one to look out for over the next, you know, the next 10 years or so. Um, potentially a, a, a Chinese mission at, uh, at Jupiter, which is pretty cool. So yeah, it's um, exciting times for for Jupiter ahead, and it's, it's it's a great month, you know, given the mission extension and everything that um, has been discovered, and given that it's going to be out of position, it's a great time to um, get outside and see if you can catch a glimpse of Jupiter yourself. Um, and for more info on how to see Jupiter this month, um, and also to read our special report on the Juno mission extension, um, you can pick up or download the August twenty twenty one issue of BBC Sky Night magazine. Now it's time for this month's stargazing tip, and you would be hard-pressed to find a more enticing naked eye sight in August than the Perseid meteor shower. Annual meteor showers occur when Earth passes through a trail of debris left behind by comets, and sometimes asteroids, uh, on its orbit around the Sun. Particles of this interstellar debris enter Earth's atmosphere, causing them to burn up and leave a bright momentary streak across the sky. The Perseid meteor shower occurs every summer, lasting from 17th of July until the 24th of August, with the peak period occurring between the 8th and the 16th of August. In 2021, the Perseids will peak between 8pm and 11pm British summertime on the 12th of August, making this date, or a few days either side, a great opportunity to spot a Perseid meteor in the night sky. Observing meteor showers doesn't require any fancy equipment. All you need is a little patience, a pair of eyes and some good company. Sun loungers and reclining chairs are advisable too, as they will help prevent your neck getting sore from long periods spent looking up. Just find a dark place away from light pollution, provided it's safe to do so. If not, you can still observe from your back garden, but remember to turn off all your lights and give your eyes about 30 minutes to adjust to darkness. Look about two-thirds of the way up above the horizon in any direction, 
and you should be able to spot Perseids as brief streaks of light shooting across the sky. If you're observing with friends, you could take it in turns to note down any meteors spotted by the rest of the group, including the time and the direction spotted. Then you can send this information to the meteor section of the British Astronomical Association and make a real contribution to citizen science. Whether you manage to spot a Perseid or not, this is a great family activity and a good excuse to get outside and take a closer look at the night sky. So that's it from us this month. You can find out more about the Perseid meteor shower, how to see it and how to photograph it in the August 2021 issue of BBC Sky at Night magazine. Also in this month's issue, we took a look at the many spacecraft monitoring Earth, reveal how the Apollo missions portrayed our home planet in a new light, explain how to carry out scientific observations of Jupiter and Saturn, and show you how to make a scale model of the solar system in your back garden. And that's not forgetting our regular sections that will help you unlock the wonders of the night sky, find the right equipment to observe it with, and discover the best things to see after dark this month. From all of us here at BBC Sky Night Magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Radio Astronomy Podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night Magazine, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Brittany Colley. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify.